For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep, with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Venture Israel here with Joel Elkanen and Dennis Dick. On today's show, we are discussing stocks that gapped down hard on Friday's close and uh, this overnight rally in the S&P futures in the face of what was, uh, again, not a great weekend for as far as the virus is concerned, but the market does not seem to care this morning. So we'll talk about that. Overnight rally plus stocks that gap down at the close on Friday. Our guest is Sean Udall. He's the CIO of Quantum Trading Strategies. Joins our show periodically to talk about what tech stocks are on his radar. We'll also take your questions from our chat. And speaking of the chat, if you're in there, you want to hit that like button, subscribe to our channel. That helps us out with YouTube. We appreciate that. I'll bring Joel on now. Joel, why don't you... Uh, Give us an update here. I kind of teased an overnight rally here in the S&Ps. We sort of opened down and it have gone straight up more or less uh, since the open last night in the S&Ps. But tell us about this market here. Yeah, big old range overnight. Uh, followed through on that week close. We had a week open, but uh, immediately bottomed at 30, 27.25. Not much down there, folks. We kind of bolted out of last week's low area. That was 100 points lower at 29, 23.75. Uh, we got all those losses back. Kind of had a depressed close at 59.50. Uh, got all the way up to 96.75. So that's a real nice overnight range. Holding on to those gains as we speak. So important to make uh, make make it through that pre-market high. Get back into the 3100 handle. Last week's high is nowhere near here. Uh, 31.56 and a quarter. So really middle ground for the S&Ps this morning. A little bit on uh, the strong side. We have crude down 25 cents. Uh, spent a little time over 40, but now it's down at 25 cents at uh, 39 and a half. Uh, gold's in the green, silver's in the green, also Bitcoin's in the green here by $185, uh, but 9,500 where Bitcoin's trading. Uh, Triple D, um, some excitement there on the close on yeah. Friday. For yeah, it was one of the biggest closes in a long time where imbalances really impacted price. And we'll bring up some charts. We'll show you the movement from Friday. If you're seeing some stocks trading significantly higher and you don't see the news on them, it's just because the closes were all messed up for a lot of these. And we know a lot of times these things bounce back when you just see these big moves just on a closing imbalance. Bring up CMG. Might be the most pronounced probably because it's a $1,000 stock. So not on our percentage basis, but on a points basis, because this stock, if you bring up the intraday from Friday at the close, is trading around 1038 at 1550 when the imbalance came out. And um, it was huge sell imbalance here, obviously. And the stock 
continue to fall and then gap down into the close. And you're looking at it here. It's all pretty much in the last few minutes. It gapped all the way down to 10.10. So it's talking about a stock that lost 25 points in the last 10 minutes just because of an imbalance. Obviously, the market sold off too because there was so many sell imbalances on different stocks. Look at the utility stocks. Same story over here as well. They really got hammered. Southern, I participated in this one and bought the close. Um, already sold it so I can freely talk about it. It bounced right after hours. Uh, 55.50. At 3.30, close to 53.61. So here's a stock that has a beta of less than the market, is conservative, and just hammered on the close because somebody wanted the hell out. And they got out. And they got out at a really poor price, all the way down to 53.61. If you look this morning, it's already trading over 54. Um, so all, all the utility stocks, it was like a program that just didn't want to own utilities. DT Energy, straight down three and a half dollars. Again, these stocks are conservative. You know, a two-point move in Southern, sometimes that's what it does all week. That's what it did in the last 10 minutes. So that's why we're highlighting them. Um, Duke Energy was the same thing. I still have a small position in Long and Duke because I bought the close, but I'm try I'll, I'll work out of that today. That's just an overnight position. I sold most of it already. A couple stocks went the other way. STT was one that actually went the other way. So State Street Corp, if you look, it had a big buy imbalance and I'd look at straight up and going opposite the market in the, into the close, up to 65.40 from 64, just 10 minutes before the close. So it's a big up move. And um, the other one I wanted to highlight, a big one in the tech world, AVGO Broadcom, huge sell into the close. 312 it was trading at about 20 minutes before obviously imbalance post of 350 and then they just hammered it lost over 10 bucks in the last 20 minutes so broadcom got hit too none of these plays were news related individual all related to just somebody wanted the hell out on the close big sell imbalances pushing them down dennis we've we've talked about it um after the close and over the weekend a little bit, why do people put these orders in like this? I have I... been trying to figure that out for my entire 20-year career. I can tell you it's all options related for the most part. It's mm -hmm. options expiration. You've got participants that are moving stocks around. Obviously, you got the big expiration that's happening. So you see these big movements typically you know, they, they can happen randomly, but for the most part, they happen on option expiration the third Friday of the month. They happen at the end of the quarter and the end of the month. That's usually the big ones. You will see another one that happens once a year where you're going to see big movements. And it just so happens to be this Friday, the June fourth Friday in June is the Russell rebalance. And you will see some hammered moves here too. Some stocks going to go up, some stocks going to go down all related to, you know, the rebalancing of the Russell. So you have index traders that are pushing prices around. And that's a little bit different. We have an index rebalancing. We know the reason for that. It's because some stocks got to go into the index. Some stocks got to go out. There's obviously, those are predictable trades. So traders will basically, you know, trade ahead of those and try to make money off of those. Um, you know, I, we used to try to figure them out too ahead of time. And you can easily figure out what's going in, what's going out. But like I said, the last few years, those have been crowded. So sometimes you've seen, instances where stocks that are going into the index actually sell off on the last day and stocks that are coming out of the index actually rally on the, on the last day. You've seen that happen too. So it's more of an unpredictable trade than it used to be. But all you need to know as individual retail traders or individual traders is that there's going to be major movement towards the close on Friday. And again, that's what you need to know here too. You don't want to get caught on the wrong side of this thing because you might be having a level on like Southern and saying, oh, if I've ever got down to 55, I'd buy it. But if you're not looking at those imbalances, you could have got a hell of a lot cheaper. So the way I played Southern 
was I, I don't always know. Sometimes these things can flip. So I, you know, it, it would in hindsight's twenty twenty. You could have just sold it at three fifty at like fifty five and covered it on the close of fifty three sixty one and made a buck forty. But sometimes they flip. Sometimes they do funny things. They're a little more unpredictable. So the way I usually play it is when you get a significant move like that, I usually put an LOC order, which is a limit on close order. So this is an order to execute on the close or don't execute me at all. So when I see the big sell imbalance in Southern, what I do is I throw a buy limit on close. So if stock was trading at 54 and a half, I'm going to say, okay, I th and I did this. I actually bought Southern on the close with multiple orders. I think I put like 54 and a quarter, I'll buy some. 54, I'll buy some. 53, 75, I'll buy some. So I put those LOC. So that means limit on close. So even though, so I put an order to buy it at 54 and a quarter, even though the stock's trading at 54, it will not execute unless the closing print is below that 54 and a quarter. So what it's doing, it's guaranteeing me the closing print if it's below that my limit price. So when it traded down and the closing print was going to be 53.61, I get filled on all of those orders at the close of 53.61. I was immediately able to sell them a lot of the stock at 54.10 because it just so happens to be some people who are bidding it up after hours. So I was immediately able to make 50 cents on part of the order. And then I sold some rest of them at 54, which I got done maybe 10 or 15 minutes later. So I was able to get out of all of that, making 40, 50 cents on the close, just on the bounce play. Um, you know, basically looking at it saying it's probably going to bounce after hours because the, the sell off is ridiculous. And that was all due to the imbalance. So I did Southern, I did DT Energy, I did Duke. Normally I'm running full automation on that. So I could have even got more stocks, but we had some other issues going on on a personal le level there. So I wasn't trading fully automated on Friday. Um, so I was just cherry picking a few stocks and these are the ones that I did well on. Uh, just want to mention too, Dennis, uh, you also have um, end of the month coming up next Tuesday. Yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a wild, wild month for these moves. You're going to see yep. Friday, you're going to see some big movement from the Russell Rebalance. And then like you said, end of the quarter, it's not even the end of the month, Joel, it's the end of the quarter. The it, end of the quarter is yep. always bigger than the end of the month. The end of the month, you sometimes see some movements, you always see some movements on the end of the quarter. So again, you're going to see some of these crazy moves on Friday at the close, and you're going to see some of these crazy moves on Tuesday at the close for the end of the quarter. So just be ready. You know, and you might get a stock. Maybe there's a stock you want. You might be able to get it at a really good price because it gets pushed around by institutional money as they're obviously, you know, doing maybe a little bit of window dressing at the end of the quarter, but also the Russell rebounds as indexers have to buy some stocks and have to sell other stocks. So if you like a stock from a fundamental basis, it might just push it to your price. So what I would say is if you like a stock, you know, keep an eye and it might, you might get a price that you like. I think I've uh, um, been talking to uh, a couple of different friends that are involved more in like the institutional end and stuff. And uh, there could be a lot of stock to sell on Tuesday. I mean, we've had, you know, one hell of a run since March. So I don't know what kind of rebalancing you have to do. You know, if Amazon's whacked way out of your, you know, your portfolio size. We've had a tremendous, tremendous run. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, in this market, I mean, there could be tremendous sellers, but also tremendous buyers. But uh, I think that's something, you know, if there's a significant amount to sell on Tuesday for the rebalancing, could just be a little bit weak ahead of it, but uh, not this morning. I mean, we lost a lot. I mean, we're basically almost back to where we were trading at, uh, at like four o'clock. That was yeah. the, uh, the crazy action after four, four to 15. And then back. they closed it. Yeah. And then 
Uh, boy. But uh, just the other thing, too, uh, just kind of maybe this is like Friday's open, man. Did things look great Great on that open, that expiration open? We're going to rip and close on yeah. the highs for the week. No, nope. they pulled the rug well, out from under it almost immediately. Yep. We've seen this multiple times last week, stocks opening at the highs of the lows. Again, it was another day that if you were just flat out saying, you know, we're gapping up and I'm, you know, and I was fooled on that one because I wasn't actively selling that open. But right after the open, I got nervous and I was like, man, they're starting to leak these already. So I sold a couple stocks out of, out of the swing portfolio. I got rid of my cheesecake, C-A-K-E, a 24 and change. So that was a good sell because the stock's now in the 22 handle. Um, I still held on to the GE and it's just a swing trade. It's still above the level where I bought it. And I said I would stop myself out below 684. Um, I wanted to get up there. I tried to sell it at 690 or 790 and it never quite got there that, that next day. It only got up to 774. So I missed the out. Now it's 718. I'm still up in it because I bought it right around $7. But um, I'm watching this one. I'm still in it. That's the only stock that I would say I'm a little uncomfortable with because most of the stocks in my longer term portfolio, we know the kind of stocks I have. Apple, Microsoft, the tech. I'm just loaded up with tech. And, you know, all the gamers, which I've talked about before. I've been in a lot of the lockdown stocks, which stocks, not only the lockdown stocks, but stocks that I feel work in both environments and a reopening or a lockdown. And we've talked about all those stocks mm -hmm. as well. So and the only one I'm kind of, this is a swing trade one that, is starting to look weaker, but it's up today and it's holding up. So I'm Where's it at? probably hold. Let, let me level. give you. Let me see what we got here for G. Give me a technical on G. What oh I man, I don't love it. I feel bad because I told you that uh, hold out for that. You seven. told me hold for seven ninety. I didn't quite get. It's like the J.P. Morgan trade. Hold out for another buck. You get a buck cheaper, and now it's hundred points higher. Ah, <laughs> uh, you might. I mean, it's not trading up much. Mm. You might. You could probably for sure get out at 728 today. Well, you can never for sure anything, but <laughs> I might be able to get out at 728. Uh, but yesterday's high, I'd go out a little bit ahead of that, 740. If you'd be be uh, be happy with that yesterday. Not behalf of the, the gains yeah. that I had. So yeah, you're getting so. some of it back. So anyways, that's the only one. When I picked up all those, and we call them trash stocks, again, they're the reopening plays. When I picked all those up, and we know when I bought them was when we had that dip on June the 15th which right. was, I, I believe, Monday. Was it Monday? Yeah, Monday. And I bought Cake, and I bought GE, and I bought Kohl's, and I bought some, a couple other ones in there, too. But I've sold most of them. The only one I'm still in is GE. So the, the Kohl's I sold the next day. I popped 15%. I was like, good enough. It was ridiculous. You can see the move. I'm going to get a 15% move in one day in a stock that you don't really believe in. Um, you take it and you run and it opened up at the high that day. So I basically got, you know, the majority of that move buying at the low of the day before almost and selling near the high the next day. Cake I held on to, I should have hold sold it that day too. But again, what happened with cake was it popped up and, and then it came back in and then it kind of started to struggle around 25. So that's kind of was already in my head that I was like, I don't think it's going back through 25. And so I got out of that one. The other one I sold was TAP. I had this one for a bit. Again, same story. I bought it on a dip and it had actually ripped up. I bought this back actually in early June. It ran all the way to 43.44 on the reopening trade and then it sold off really fast. Well, it kind of came back and you could see how I was struggling right around 40. So I actually got out, I think around like 39.75 or something just on Friday. Again, sold another one. So I was lightening up on the stocks that I thought, you know, the reopening stocks. And because the reopening, let's be honest, isn't going that well. Yeah, let's so, talk about some of those stocks. Let's talk uh, about the reopening. Yeah. Here, we're going to get to space too. I know space up, everybody's excited about it. I still own space. 
We'll talk about that in a little bit. We're just still focusing overall market here, though. We went green. But the reopening here, Spencer, Israel, let's bring you into the show here because it's been quiet in the background. We've been quiet. You know, the, the reopening hasn't really went as well as we'd hoped. I mean, obviously, there's some problems down in the southern states. It's not as bad as the first wave was in a lot of cases in certain states. But in some of these states, they're actually making new highs on caseloads. And that's kind of concerning. Yeah, second week in a row that we're seeing just a sort of a, a barrage of new cases uh, over the weekend here. So uh, caseloads are now increasing in 23 uh, of the states uh, in this country, and they're, we're making new highs, new daily highs in, in states like California uh, and Florida uh, and Texas. So uh, it's really not great. Uh, it's a bit too soon to tell, I think, how this will impact things because um, obviously the death is a lagging indicator so we're not seeing, yes for sure we're not, we're not seeing that uh and that's ultimately what matters um and also uh, some states like out like michigan were slower to reopen and we're just now coming into it or coming into the reopening so um the states that did reopen quicker states like uh florida uh and georgia uh not going they're ahead of us yeah they're ahead of us uh not going great um but you know, I think still a little bit too soon to tell. It's not going great. That's the takeaway from this weekend. It's not going. Yeah. It's not. And some people horribly. I mean, it, it probably could be worse. But it, it's not. Yeah, we're not going to say it's going bad, but it's not going yeah. great. And it's the reason why some of these reopening stocks have continued to show weakness yep, last week. There's no other those. reason, you know, why Boeing and the airlines, you know, have been showing relative weakness to the overall market. And tech made new highs. You can see the clear allocation of capital going and say, hey. If we're reopening is not going well, I don't want to own restaurants. I don't want to own airlines. I don't want to own cruise lines. I want to own tech. And we saw it clearly in the stocks. A lot of people pointing out to me the fact that, hey, even though cases are going up, hospitalizations really aren't climbing that quickly. But remember one thing, which, you know, some people might be forgetting, is that hospitalizations are, are going to lag by a couple of weeks. Because as people get sick, they don't get hospitalized the first day you get COVID. You get hospitalized later on when you know you're fighting the battle here so i wouldn't you know say you're out of the woods just because hospitalizations aren't going up i think you know you're seeing cases really rise in the last week to week and a half you'd think the hospitals you know it would start to indicate you know if it, if it is going to get ugly again in the next week or two so you got to think there's a two to three week lag which there was with the first wave as well you know, people were getting cases, but they weren't getting sick right away. They weren't getting sick enough that they needed a hospitalization. I mean, you get this on day one, you got a cough, you got the sniffles, you know, and then it gets, you know, obviously progressively worse for some people. And eventually some people need hospitalization. But even in that, it was only, I think the cases that only need hospitalization was under 15%. So, you know, a lot of people are going to be able to fight this off on their own. This isn't like a, a death sentence for everyone. But, you know, with the death rate still cooking around 6 or 7%, it's still a relatively and, scary and, disease. It's also worth knowing that, you know, every new case increases the chance of us going back into quarantine and back into state. And that's really what the market is afraid of. It is. Going it's back, very afraid of it. Because a lot of businesses won't survive a second lockdown. Right. And, you know, Mnuchin has said we're not going into second lockdown. And that's good. I mean, from, you know, his perspective, he can say we're not going to go into a second lockdown. Sure, that's fine. But at that being said, if you start to see cases spike up around you, you're going to be hesitant. There's going to be certain people like myself who are going to be hesitant to do normal activities. People aren't running to their sit-down restaurants when everybody around them has COVID. 
So we saw, you know, individual businesses have to close the, the, the poor, you know, and I feel so bad for the businesses, but you know, it's the circumstances that we're in, in Georgia and Valdosta, they've had, they were talking on CNBC with an owner of a private little restaurant. And, you know, this person here has, you know, um, you know, reopened unsuccessfully, opened for eight days and had to reclose because three of the staffers got it. And then, you know, all of a sudden, so it's got to reclose and they're spending extra costs trying to figure out how to, you know, Open clean the restaurant and get rid of it. I mean, it's, it's, it's nearly impossible. And you feel so bad for the small business owner because it was nothing that they did. It's not their fault. But even, but despite, you know, the, uh, the government saying it's okay to go out to your restaurant now, there's certain restaurants that are obviously taking extra precautions. But not only that, there's just people that are not going. So I'm going to say it again. I think a third of the population is very spooked about this. I've always said, you know, I've said this the whole time. I think the population has kind of broke up into thirds. A third are really spooked. A third thinks it's just bogus and I'm going to go about my business. And a third are on the fence. And, but if you lose a third of your patrons at these individual restaurants, that's tough business. It's tough to do. And even if you're reopening, they got to keep the six foot distance. You know, if your restaurant used to hold 200, now it's going to hold 100. It's hard to pay the bills with only half the customers. So there's a lot of difficulties to navigate here, which makes me want not want to own, you know, all of these restaurants. And some of them have come all the way back. I mean, we talked about Darden restaurants, you know, coming all the way back to $92. I mean, did it have any business coming out? Now it's back at 70. So now it starts, okay, yes, you know, the Olive Garden, obviously, we're talking about, but th these are all impacted. These businesses are all impacted everywhere. So these are stuff you've got to consider as investors. As traders, you go with the flow. You go with what's hot. You, you know, you go with momentum. But as an investor, a long-term investor saying, I'm going to just throw, you know, this restaurant stock in my long-term portfolio because I know it's going to come back eventually, or this airline stock in my long-term portfolio because I know it's going to come back eventually, it doesn't have to do anything. So never over leverage yourself. If you're a long-term investor, don't go all in on American Airlines. Don't go, and, we're, and it's going to be the segue we're going to take you to right now because, you know, these companies are still struggling. AAL, major, major dilution here this morning. So Spencer, yep. give us the details for this one. Well, first, because, before you move on, I yeah, mean, Don, I went you, know everywhere what, there. you know what the problem is? Is uh, we're, we're just doing too much testing. I mean. <laughs> okay, yeah. we shouldn't even go there. But <laughs> that, 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 the comment, and obviously we got a lot of Trump supporters that listen to, you know, but the, the comment was ridiculous. They're trying to back it off with a joke. We know, you know, over the weekend, Trump said, you know, I don't know if it was a joke. I don't know if it wasn't a joke. It just shouldn't have been said. Obviously, he probably regrets saying it. But he said, you know, they're testing too much, and that's why we're getting more cases. We know we need to test to be able to get on top of this thing. So White House is backing, you know, off those comments. And obviously, there's been a spokesperson that has said that it was a joke. We are testing. We're taking it very seriously. Um, I don't know why it was said. It obviously shouldn't have been said. Um, he probably, you know, the media is running with it. So it's not a political I'm, show. I'm not going to say whether Trump's right or wrong or whether they vote for Trump or vote for Biden. Um, but obviously, I think it's right. a mistake. Well, back it, in, it, back it goes, in my cage. Back in my it, cage. It goes to what I always said, where if, if it weren't for tests, I would have gone to Harvard. I mean, it's the tests are really what kept me back. Is just, you know, the fact, that I, <laughs> the fact that I had to prove Stop my testing. I had to prove my intelligence, and I, I, don't, I didn't want to have to prove my intelligence like that. So anyway, <laughs> um, speaking of, speaking of Darden real fast, Darden reports earnings a Thursday before the open, so keep that under yeah. if you're trading that stock. Okay, American Airlines. This is interesting. This was out here um, over the weekend. Uh, a common stock offering. Uh, they're going to try and raise $3.5 billion uh, between uh, stocks and convertible notes. 
and the stock portion of that is going to be, let me see here, um, $750 million of common shares. And as William White put it in the YouTube chat, more shares for Robinhood users to buy, right? That's good news. Uh, I mean, and somewhat you can see this, this is going to happen in so many stocks. We saw it with U.S. Steel last week. And U.S. Steel wasn't even on the radar to have a secondary. And they had a huge one diluting themselves by like 30%. So the dilution, I believe, is less than that. I didn't actually go and calculate it here this morning. Maybe it's not. Um, if you want to do the math in the background, we can figure out the dilution quickly by the amount of shares they're going to sell. But they're doing a convertible note. So that's dilution itself. And they're doing you know, a common stop offering. That's more dilution. And obviously, they're doing some... Uh, 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 there's, there's four different parts to this, all trying to raise capital because they need it. They need the capital to basically bridge themselves through this crisis. And without the capital, these companies could potentially go bankrupt. So it's good. We don't know how it's going to go, the offering. Um, we hope it's going to go well, that there's going to be actually buyers for this offering. We hope it's not going to be at a price significantly lower. But we know in some cases, they've had to go way down to find liquidity. And when CCL did this a while ago, they had to go much lower than what the market price was to find the buyers for the secondary offering. So just because you're doing a secondary doesn't mean it's going to be done at 15. I don't think we have a price on it yet. It could be 13 the price. And what happens is the arbitrage will tell you behind it. So your quest from your broker to participate in the secondary, you get it at 13. What do they do? They turn around, they sell it at 1450 and for the people, everybody just bought at 13 hits the bid because they're making the, in, in the immediate dollar and a half. Now it's not necessary that you always get a better price. Like sometimes offering prices can come up higher. Like the DraftKings price was pretty, not that much um, when, when they did there as a 40, it wasn't much below the market price, but there's a market for DraftKings. People kind of want to own this. American Airlines is probably not going to be as much interest in something like that. So the price could be a lot Do worse. we have a price on that? Do we I don't think a... so. Not no. yet. No, <laughs> they'll probably throw, they'll probably shop it. It usually takes a day or two shop it. Feel for where, you know, there's demand. People say, oh, I'd buy some at 14. I'd buy some at 13. I'd buy some at 13 and a half. They fill out their institutional customers. Some people say maybe I'll buy it at 15. But when the price is markets pricing down 14.58, the, the speculators are saying it's going to be below this price. So it could be 13, it could be 12. I mean, they come out, let's just say hypothetically, not saying this is going to happen. They come out with a 12. You see American Airlines trade down 13 and a half tomorrow. So you might think this is a great dip to buy, but they come out with a 12 and you all of a sudden get a whole bunch of people in from 12, they hit the bid. So that's the arbitrage behind it. That knocks the price back down. And not only that, people aren't hitting the bid when they get the stock. They hit it short knowing that they're getting the stock. So because that'll cover them in. So there's lots of mechanics behind, you know, secondaries, obviously, but they're never usually good for shareholders. In this case, American Airlines, you know, if they don't do the secondary, though, what's the alternative? They might go bankrupt. So they're not doing this just because, you know, they, they were doing, let's put this in perspective. American yeah. Airlines is doing they're not doing, they're not doing it because they want to. They're not doing it because they want to. They're doing it because they have to. Do you want to invest in companies? Like in, in the case of DraftKings, they're doing it. They're doing offerings to expand the business. In this right. case, they're doing offerings to save the business. I would rather invest in companies that are doing offerings to uh, grow the Expand. business as opposed yeah. to these that are in trouble. <clears throat> and course. if we don't get you know, this, this money, we're in trouble. And I mean, it's not American Airlines' fault. It's nobody's fault. It's a COVID. It's, it's happened. It happened you know, from that, possibly that lab in China. And I mean, everybody's suffering for it. So we don't really even know the cause of it all, but that's been the speculation. So you look at American Airlines down here at $1.38 and you think, oh, how can I go wrong? It's eventually going to bounce back. I'll tell you, if that pricing comes out on that secondary at 12, you're going to be disappointed about a 14.60. If, if the pricing comes out at 15, 
then it'll be different. But do you really think, like, let's just think logically. You're an institutional trader. You see the stock trade in 1460, you're saying, I'll pay 15 for it. <laughs> no, I'm not. I think most people are saying, I'm not going to pay 15 for a stock I can buy in the open market of 1461. So it's probably going to be lower than 1460, that secondary price, when they come out with it. And, and, and you know, obviously, we're going to see when that comes out. But again, when you're buying these airlines, and we obviously know there's some you know, very prominent figures in the day trading world that have been going all in on airlines. I mean, this, this party was great in early June. Um, it might best start to bounce back or maybe turns around, but the sentiment has completely turned towards the sector. It's completely turned towards the cruise lines. You know, these stocks topped out on the day that we said they are yeah, topping I out. I want I mean, to talk I don't about think that. I, I probably on all the years I've been making calls, That's that day, I said, I'd ring the register. I think this is the top. I think this is upside capitulation. I even tweeted it out that morning ahead of time. Somebody said it'd be nice if you told us this stuff ahead of time. I did. You did that one. I did that one. on the airlines. Yep. On, that, I said that one. on the show, go to the June 5th show at nine o'clock in the morning. I said, if I was on these things, I'd be selling them because I think that this is upside capitulation where everybody just has to get in. American Airlines topped up that day at 2280. It's yep. $14. Um, LUV opened almost right at the high that day, $42.35. It's now 33 so this is experience. You know, this is just 20 years of experience and reading tapes. And we've seen this stuff before. These crazy, ridiculous two-day moves. What was moves the volume on that day, on, too? On car companies that are struggling. And the upside, yeah, and the volume, it was upside capitulation that day. We can safely say that now in hindsight. But we could say it predicting 30 minutes before it happened on this show because it looked like it was going to happen. Thanks for the same thing. Yep. It traded four hundred million the day before, and then the day it hit that twenty two eighty, it traded four hundred and twenty eight million, and then uh, they pounded it pretty good, and then and then it showed life for like one or two days. Never even got into twenty one handle. I'll say for your American Airlines uh, traders, investors, um, we're well through that. Not went well through how much you can move today. We're, we've already gained back half of that move um, from eight and a quarter to 2280. So I don't, don't think you can honestly, you know, get excited about this stock until you get back over 1550 and you close over 1550. That 1550.42 happened to be the low on Friday. So that's your gap fill. But uh, just right here, you know, you had the move, you've given half back, and man, oh man. You just you're not trying. You're not trying. So we'll see what happens at fifteen if it can get over fifteen fifty. Right now, looks like they're gonna have to price this thing fourteen fifty or lower to get it done. Yeah, so probably. Yeah, that's what the market and I, I just uh, for the a way reference, I, the X, way I, I just wanna say X yeah, gonna get anywhere near that eight uh eight fifty eight. It got the eight forty eight and eight forty six on Thursday and Friday. What stock so. was that? The eight forty X they did the offering oh, yeah, at 50 yet. I was just how illustrating how it's resistance. Good, good point, Joel. I mean, here's U.S. Steel. And a lot of times these offerings, the way I've traded them before, sometimes can act like a floor where they come down to the offering price and those help. U.S. Steel, what was the offering price? Wasn't it 850 the second year? I thought it was 850. Spencer corrected me and said it, it was 858. It's 858. 858. <laughs> so the people who participated in the U.S. Steel secondary in this case, unless they were really on and they knew they were going to get stock and they sold it short after hours on the, you know, the, the night that they you know, obviously announced wink, the, app, wink. the thing, it, it, it actually, you know, you like could have lost money on that secondary. Usually these secondaries, you don't lose money on because usually they price them below enough of the market, but they hammered it below the price. 
So American Airlines don't, you know, you could say, okay, comes out with an offering of 14. You think, okay, I'm safe at 14. In the U.S. steel case, you weren't on the things at 13. Now, all that being said, we know re there's a, the retail trader has never had more power than they have before. There's a lot of retail traders that are licking their chops and saying, okay, this is my opportunity. I'm going to jump in American Airlines. I'm telling you from my experience, I wouldn't do that. I would wait until the secondary price came out. So I get a feel for where, uh, you know, this, this other, you know, 700 and how much is this, is the common stock uh, offering? How Seven, many? 750 million. So how, the, where this other $750 million um, worth of stock is going to be priced at, because that's going to come in back into the market for sure. It comes, gets issued and then it sells. That's usually what this thing does. So that's how, how these things work. So I think that's how I would play it is I would wait until I actually knew the secondary price and then go from there. Remember, you got a convertible offering too. And they'll do the same thing, the converts will offer and sell equities against it too. So you got two different, two different you know, tranches here that are gonna come in and sell stock. And they're already doing it this morning. That's why there's already arbitrage that are already pre-doing it. The, the question is, what is those pricings and when is it done? Because the pricing comes out of 14 and a half, maybe you're safe at 1460. In the case of US Steel, you wouldn't have been. But if that pricing comes out of 13, you're probably going to regret buying at 1461. So I'd wait till the dust settles on this if I was trying to pick the bottom of American Airlines. But I'm not trying to pick the bottom. I have no interest in owning the stock until it at least starts to show some life. And it's not showing life here at all. Yeah, and then for just for the X now, if it can get back over 850, 858, you know, then maybe a little, maybe some people that are waiting that still have the stock and they're going to ride it out. And if it gets above there, you might get a little pop. But uh, Dennis, I, I, I think that uh, your first scenario was correct. Like maybe even these guys had uh, the heads up on the uh, on the 16th or on the 17th or the 18th. Uh, you hope that doesn't happen, but you know, in reality, 47 to 938. Come on. Well, we'll see. I mean, let's see uh, X get back. I mean, also for X, I mean, what are you, what are you uh, predicating buying that stock on? I mean, is that economy? Are we going to just turn, boom, roll right out of this, you know, start building buildings and tons of cars and everything. I mean, Long-term trend. It's a reopening X. stock. You're, you're hoping that this COVID a reopening goes away. stock that didn't do well when we were open. Well, there's a good point there too. I mean, a lot of these stocks that people are coming into weren't doing that well when we were open. U.S. Steel in the last two years has went from $30. It went to $10, 30 to 10 before COVID even happened. I know COVID happened and got hammered and it got back up and got all the losses back from COVID, which you know probably was just overdone. Um, I own one steel stock. It's new core. I have it. I've had it in there for years. It's been a dog. I wish I actually didn't have it, but it's been the best of breed. You know, it, it, there's not a lot of steel stocks that you've held for five years and are not down. So, you know, there's one, you know, and obviously it is down from where it was three years ago, but I mean, the last seven, eight years, you know, you look at where new core was back in 2014 is the same price. So you say, what a crappy stock. Look at where U.S. Steel was in 2014. You know, it was over $30 and you think, oh, well, okay, new core has done a lot, a lot better. So, um, it's tricky. This is just, you know, long-term investing is always tricky. I've always been better at the short-term stuff, but, uh, I've owned one steel stock in there. It's paid me a little dividend along the way, but it's been a dog. I don't want to put in another steel stock dog. All right. Uh, waiting on Tron, you know, to join us here. So let's go to space here. Ooh, all right. Uh, sure. They got your catalyst this, this morning, Dennis. Uh, Virgin Galactic announced that they had signed an agreement with NASA to provide a private spaceflight to the ISS. I'm long the stock. I bought the stock. We know I've been hugging off this 15 level. I've been looking at a stop out below 14. 
Um, it, it came close a couple of times, but it's been holding on. I just think, you know, this is an evaluation call. Obviously, they don't even make money. They don't sell anything really yet. They're trying to, though. They're getting some contracts. That's so. a recipe for a stock going up, Dennis. Well, well, it is sometimes. I mean, <laughs> all this market likes is a story. A story. A story matters more than anything. Nikola, a story. You know, Tesla has been a story for a long time. It's been a story stock. What I mean by story is people talk about it. It's got growth. It's got like, oh, this is the next big thing. Space SPCE, I believe, has the potential to start to get hot with a story like that. It's why I'm invested in it. It's the only reason I'm invested in it. But the story stock could get hot. And I think, you know, I think this could go. I've said before, I think it could go back up to $30, $35 if the market, if the market just tanks and we all go into, you know, lockdown again and COVID takes over. I mean, this is going to be a different, you know, it's obviously not going to perform. This isn't a stock that's going to perform in a COVID environment. But if I'm buying a stock that I think has the potential to get hot, it's, I think this was one of them. It's up 17% here. I'm in from 16, so I was down on Friday. I'm back up in it again. But I'm, I've got this in the long-term portfolio. I'm planning on holding on to it. What made you hold on, Dennis? I mean, you know, because you Because this has the potential for a story. That's the only reason. Okay. I mean, I've seen so many story stocks just take off valuations, don't matter at all. Shopify is the best example. I mean, Shopify, yeah, it's growing. It's, all, you know, it's an awesome company firing on all cylinders. But it's also a story. It's got the story behind it. You know, e-commerce okay. platform to bring small business to e-commerce. I mean, the media talks about this. And look at what Shopify has done. Valuation's ridiculous. It makes no sense to be trading where it is. But it doesn't matter because the story is still hot. Just like Tesla, the valuation really has never made any sense. But the story is hot and it remains hot. I think space falls into that category. I think this is a story that could get hot. It's not hot. The story is not like everybody's talking about space, but it's the kind of stock that everybody could eventually be talking about. Every time SpaceX, you said it, Spencer, SpaceX launches SPE, SPCE participates in it. So it's like a little derivative play, even though it's not even related to Elon Musk's SpaceX, it gets a pop when SpaceX is successful because they see this as a similar correlation to SpaceX. Yep. Yes, I, I thought your thesis was you were just shorting Earth and going along the rest of the solar system. <laughs> yeah, COVID. Maybe this is a COVID stock. Yeah, when we got to escape from the there. planet. Everybody's <laughs> going to be piling their money into space because we got to get out of here because this planet's ruined. <laughs> All right, now that's a conspiracy theory. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that that's even deep for us, right? Sean's going to join us here in a couple deep minutes. Deep space drill. Uh, he just has to dial in. So Sean, we'll give Sean on. a break. It's early out there. Yeah, it's really early. <laughs> yep. so, uh, he'll be with us in a couple minutes. In the meantime, uh, let's keep on going here. Uh, Tyson. Yeah, Tyson Foods. Let's go there. So um, Eat more chicken. Uh, or eat, eat less chicken. Eat less chicken. <laughs> yeah, less chicken in China. Uh, China has temporarily, they say, uh, suspended their imports uh, from Tyson Foods. This is uh, a trade uh trade tension related is it trade tension related or are they worried because the whole oh, um the fish uh, that came right, in right, from right. europe and they you thought it was COVID? It, it's both but let's say it's both uh there are definitely some trade undertones here they said they said it's because of covid but i'll say it's there are some definitely underlying trade tensions going on here there's and there's trade tensions don't kid yourself this isn't like we're going to be signing a big trade deal with china next week there's yeah, still uh, obviously some happen. major issues there when's phase two so Tyson Foods down I here, I, I don't know, chicken isn't going away. Um, I would just say it's been a trading range from basically, let's yep. forget about this little 
top we had in June where we tried to break out and the failed breakout happened. You've had a top of the range around 65, a bottom of the range of 55, really in the last couple of months. 60, you got some initial there support there. Yep. Joel yep. likes those levels. I like it better at 55. I don't think chicken's going away. I know everybody thinks we're all going to be eating veggie burgers for the rest of our life, but I still like a good chicken burger as well, and I like my chicken. So I think you know, it's still safe and Tyson chicken. I don't know if I'm coming at 60. I think it could eventually get a cheaper at 55, but I don't mind it here. I'm, I'm not going to – I'm not buying I, – I think, I think you're going to get it. I think you'd get it at 60. I think if you buy a 6180 this morning, I think you're early. I think you're going to get a – but let's get our tech, technician on here. Joel, yeah, level. Not even anywhere near. Well, you you got to bounce off sixty one oh nine. I'll be looking at the dailies. Uh, fifty nine and a half. Uh, there was a low at sixty twenty two, and that was flanked by a couple lows at fifty nine and a half. So I would look at that as a target on the downside today. If you're chicken, I don't think we'll see that fifty five. Um, on the upside, if you're hoping for a gap fill, you only got a buck here. So if you're stuck long this thing, you could get a little pop off the open and yesterday's low was 62.83 i'll use that um as resistance longer term dennis you mentioned the multiple lows at 55 uh but there's been there's been some chicken problems going on have you watched this uh pilgrim's pride at, at all uh pilgrim's pride with some price fixing and i don't know if they dragged um tyson into it but did uh, uh pilgrim's pride had that big move down so the chicken sector is just not just not hot. I I have no interest really. This Pilgrim Pride's really close to. It's actually it's lower the move. There's no story going to happen yeah. here in Chicken. Yeah. We'll tell you that. I don't much. know. I don't know what's going on with Chicken. <laughs> it's valuation. It's got a dividend. Tyson Chickens two point seven two percent. I mean, it gets up to the over three percent. People get interested just from a dividend perspective right. for the yield perspective. So it has that underlying dividend protection. We call it at a certain point. Pilgrim's Pride does not have a dividend. I don't believe different story um i don't follow it as closely we know they do sell chicken i would say 16 bucks is you know maybe yeah look at the that. law of the move yeah i don't know if it's getting down there again um but i, I if i was buying a chicken i'd buy tyson chicken All right, maybe, maybe yeah, a virgin galactic uh is only going to serve uh chicken on their uh, spa space races, then that might give it a little boost. Let's just look at SPCE. That is a big move. It's up to 49. So I don't know if we have it. I know, Dennis, I know you're kind of looking at this from the yeah, longer term Yeah, well, we talked a bit, but I want your technical thoughts. Yeah, 1858. I know you would have let it go there. That's where <laughs> The scalper blood in me yeah, lets some of my long-term stuff go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I want to hold this. I want to hold this. I'm slap me across the side of the head if i just sell this because it starts going up i, would I do say, that all too often i'd why say a chart the, blurry guys i don't know if, why i don't, I don't know problems with their charts here this morning. if it holds 1730 where i don't expect it to there are your two highs it's 1737 1729 back from the eighth and ninth yard trading 1742 so if it holds there Maybe I get a look at 1774, uh, getting up there, the pre-market high. You absolutely will not see that today. But this would be one if it, you know, if you're buying this thing off the open and you know you're looking for, you know, a big payday, you don't want to like have it open like 1740 and then be printing 1715 or 1720 on you. You want it wherever they get that opening print at. So to me, it is opening up into a little bit of resistance. Did, uh, do we got Mr. Udall yet? Yes, we do. And before I bring him on, I just want to say, if you, if you want to feel really bad about 
chicken and bad about yourself for eating chicken, watch Super Size Me 2 on Netflix. You'll feel really bad. Super Size Me 2. Okay. You'll I feel, didn't know it was a part two. You'll feel really bad about. Is that about McDonald's? Eating? No, it's about chicken. It's <laughs> all about chicken in America. So it'll make you feel really bad about yourself for eating chicken. All right. Let's bring Sean on right now. Sean, you I like chicken. Is a C- you won't after watching it. <laughs> <laughs> CIO of Quantum Trading Strategy. Sean, good morning. Good morning, uh, and I and I'm free to say that uh, I, I you know chicken's fantastic. <laughs> so I, I can guarantee you, I can watch whatever that show is, and it would not change my opinion because hey, I kind of know how animals are slaughtered. So it's not it's, it's not, not that pretty. hard of a thing to figure out. No, it's not pretty. It's ugly, but you know. Look, I, hey, like I like meat, eating chicken. You, got, <laughs> you love meat. You got to you got to eat chicken. You got to eat beef. You got to eat pork. I, I like them all. I mean, I'm with you. I still eat chicken, but I'm you know that chicken. might oh, be yeah. a con. I wonder. I wonder if if eating meat is going to turn into a oh boy, you're eating meat. That that means you you know you, you don't uh, you know you're not part of this politically correct movement if you're eating meat. So I, I bet that's the next thing to kind of rem- remember. Where, didn't they try to outlaw sodas a, a few years ago, like big sodas? I can't. Uh, I think New York tried to outlaw big sodas. So. Well, they, they, I think they did, but they only outlawed like the super, super size, like Seven Eleven, like big gulps. I think. Uh, I yeah, love the big idiots. gulp. Idiots. I don't you. I love the big gulp. As a kid, I was like, go to Seven Eleven, get that big gulp. Great, awesome. greatest thing ever. Greatest, greatest thing, thing ever. ever. <laughs> By the way, I I drink like. I probably drink three or four Cokes a day. Easy. <laughs> Sean, the greatest thing in the world. Coca-Cola advertising yeah. right here. You and Warren. Love it. I, you I and Warren. Warren's lived to 90 years old. Yeah. I think, Warren, I think Warren drinks like eight or nine a day. Uh, that's a rumor. I like started that rumor, drinks. I think. <laughs> oh, oh, no, okay, dude, wait, he here. said it. He, he did, said he it did. in um, in meetings. Oh, every, every annual meeting, he basically says how many Cokes he drinks. Wait here, just real yeah. quick on that on that soda tax thing. So that it was the New York, uh, it was proposed in New York City, and the New York State Court of Appeals uh, overruled it. So it, it didn't it didn't happen. So there, you, you can still get your giant. All I'm gonna say, just be careful what you wish for, people. Be careful what you wish for. If you all of a sudden, if you don't want your freedoms, you will lose all of your freedoms. That's all I'm gonna say. All right, Sean, um, let's talk about just the overall market here and then you know, stocks on your radar because you are the tech stock strategist. So how have you been sort of approaching things the past few weeks? It's been a really tricky market. Well, I mean, it's basically 1999. So it's been arguably my best trading market I've experienced personally, I think, ever. Um, it, it's funny that we're on again. Uh, it's been a while. The, I think the last time I was on... I was kind of set up the same way. Uh, I've, I've actually kind of raised a lot of cash again. So, so basically pre-corona, yep. I wasn't raising cash because of corona, but I was raising crash, the cash because I thought we were in basically a bubble market uh, of some variety. And I, I think Dennis kind of agreed with me and Joel agreed yep. with me. But yeah, we're basically in some kind of a bubble market. It was mostly cloud bubble, Tesla, yeah, so here, here's the funny thing happened. We basically had a way a massively larger correction than I, than I thought we were going to have. But it really didn't hurt much. As, as long as you were not levered out, it really didn't hurt. It shouldn't have hurt at all. And so, so I found myself able to actually buy cloud stocks again. 
Um, not all of them, but Workday 123, and I don't know. There was a bunch of them. So there was a bunch of them. And and a lot of my old names that were former buy list names, like Splunk and CyberArk, came into buy ranges again. I ended up hitting a lot more uh, of, of the newer ones. Elastic is a big name for me. That's ESTC. Still have it. But I was buying that just at a shockingly, stupendously stupid number. I think 42 to 47 uh, still have most of that actually, but no, as, as far as the market, it just, it's this very strange market. I'm going to, instead of getting too macro, I'm going to kind of jump on space because I, I don't know how much time I have here today. So I'm going to jump on space and say, I'm, I'm actually kind of interested in space. It's a name I normally wouldn't, I, I'd almost kind of just scoff it off and kind of ignore it, but you got a Tesla at a thousand. Well, yeah. right or wrong, it's there, and it's not correcting. It just doesn't want to come in much. Uh, you, you, uh, you know, Nicola was a, was a crazy good trade. Um, it, but, but Nicola hasn't really come down that much, given how much it ran. Uh, yeah. I, was, I was interested in the name as BTIQ. And so, so the, the bottom line is, space was probably the first, well, it was the first big SPAC to take off. It, you, we could make a case it might be the best one because usually in every single IPO, every new IPO cycle, the first one's the best one. And by the way, Workday might have been the first in that contingent. Um, so anyway, you, you go on and on. I, I kind of think space could really go <laughs> because it didn't participate at all kind of in the frothy phase of the reopen market or the frothy phase of when cloud stocks went, went nuts. So that, that could actually be interesting. I, I don't, I, there's no way to fundamentally value it. So you just have to trade it. You just have to trade it, use your trading instincts and use your technicals. And I, I would be surprised if that doesn't put it in a pretty good move. Now, is a pretty good move, does it break the former highs or is a pretty good move to something low 20s or something? I don't know. But, but I, I, think, I think a pretty good move would be well in excess of, I think you guys are saying scalping it. And yeah, you could. But I think a pretty good move is well in excess, some, something well in excess of 20 bucks for sure. So I don't know what, what Dennis thinks about that. I'm on but I think if you're page. long. I'm long it. I'm long it. So yeah. I like it. I think you've got to ride it, and I think you got to let it go and maybe put in a wide trailing stop. And, hey, if you make a bunch of money, good. If you lose some, well, you know what your risk you're taking, basically. And, you know, here's the thing. It trades firm. Like, I, I, you know, I, I, don't think, I don't think you've got much risk below 15 bucks, as long as, long as you, know, you know, again, you're not margined up or something. Uh, Sean, a question from our chat here, and maybe you just answered it. I don't know. But what is your favorite, most disruptive stock right now? That's a really good question. I don't know if I really think that way anymore. I used to when disruptive stocks were really cheap. Uh, I just hate stocks when they get to these crazy, crazy, stupid prices that I know are unsustainably justified, but you can ride them for a while. You can ride the market. I mean, here's, here, I'm going to answer a little differently. And, and cause maybe something super disruptive will sort of enter my brain. Um, but, but I do think on a relative valuation metrics and relative growth metrics and, and disruption, I mean, this is a company that's, that's when it's kind of eating the space uh, and it is elastic. And I had no plans of even talking about it other than, um, just, just it kind of came into my head as one of the very many names I bought dirt cheap uh, in, in May and April, or I'm sorry, in March and April. But, but it's very, most people really probably don't understand the company. 
they probably just think, oh, hey, it's another cloud software. So let's look at the chart, blah, blah, blah. They don't, they don't really get to know these things. And, and they're basically search. So, so you want to talk about Elastic, ESTC. Okay. So, so if, you know, guess what hasn't been disrupted forever? Google. Um, uh, the, search, the search industry is in, is in, if you ask me, it's in major need of disruption, actually. It's, it's a prime time to, to disrupt it. Elastic is not web search, though. It's, it's, it's corporate search. It's IT search. It's basically search engines for internal websites, intranet search, if you will. But what they've done is they've taken their really strong revenue and cash flow growth and they've morphed and they've bought into other things. Basically what with the what everybody's kind of termed a new term, it's not that new to me. It, people have been in the Splunk for years, know this term called observability. And what observability is a very critical piece of the analysis of all the data you generate once you start and doing big data. So so elastic is is arguably the king of observability. In my, I think the old king was Splunk. I think the new king is them. So they're they're disrupting the space. They're they they could theoretically launch a search engine and start competing with Google. Google, in my mind, kind of has a problem. It's super dominant. It's great. It's 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 always my favorite of the fan games. I think I've said that for years with you guys. But but they have a problem now, and the problem is. Monop possible monopolistic kind. I mean, they're just—they're not a monopoly because they wanted to be. They just did it because they're so good. They kind of beat everybody. But man, I, I don't know about you guys, but Chrome's just getting slowed down. It's kind of reminding me of what Yahoo was like when Google disrupted Yahoo. So the world is wide open for a brand new, clean, super fast, efficient, limited ads limited things that track you everywhere you you go your movement history your uh, you know your, your everything you've ever done on the web and and there are starting to be some browsers but it, but the, but you need deep pockets so so if elastic were to go more web based browsing i think you it, it would be it would it would have a stupid run but their core business of of observability and internal web search and crawling and data logging and data logging are huge. And by the way, so, and all the things they're doing with security, it's a great business anyway. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a name. I really, is it they probably replaced like mule and some of my other names of your, uh, as probably one of my favorite high growth software names. Like, you know, when I say one of my favorites, probably like top three. And, and Sean, before, so, so oh. you probably, Oh, Sean, ahead, we're up ahead. against the clock here, uh, but sure. we just got one more question for you. Uh, we had a request um, from a, uh, a, um, a customer that, what do people do on the West Coast? What's your routine? I, I know what yours is. I know you do your independent research. Do you do a lot of stuff at night? How early you get up in the morning? Just talk about your, your routine. Well, yeah, so for that so, 9 so routine. Open. Yeah, yeah. So, so the big, I would say the biggest part of a routine to be an effective trader dealing with the, with the West Coast time frame is, well, I mean, one, some people just get weird and they kind of morph into an East Coast time frame. I would actually, I would try to avoid that, meaning, you know, they get up like at 2.30 or 3. I mean, I'm up between 4.30 and 5.30 every day. That's early enough. But, but I say you got to kind of do some pre-market work in the night. So in other words, Whatever your routine would would be if you if you were on the East Coast, let's say, or Midwest, 
Um, I, I think you got to kind of put in an hour at night. Now, I, I can't, like, my routine's way different than other people's because I basically get prepared to, to trade the stocks that I want to trade. So in other words, I'm not a, like, I don't wake up and look at the news and go, oh, hey, those four, those four stocks have big moves, therefore yep. I'm going to trade them. Th that's only relevant to me if they're a name I, I quote unquote cover or okay. no. Yeah. So, so, so mine, my, my, but, but I would say whatever your routine is, but you know, I mean, I, I don't know how many hours a day I put in probably 16 hours a day. So, so a lot of my pre-routine is done the night before, but you can do a lot of your pre-routine, your last two hours of the day of trading. So, you know, you get your chart set up, you look, you think about what the things you need to think about to trade effectively. You know, what are your key names you're going to trade off? Hey, I'm obviously watching more SPACs today than I did three months ago. Uh, I, I, I could care less about airlines uh, a few months ago. Now I'm trading airlines. I could care less about finance stocks a few months ago. Now I'm trading banks. So the bottom line is, you know, you move with the market, you do things. But yeah, I think if, if, you, if you are dedicated on the West Coast and on that West Coast time frame, I don't, I, to, to be really good and be sharp, one, you have to be rested and physically fit and all that stuff. So, so I think you've got to do like an hour that you would normally have time to do on the East Coast, you've got to do the day before. Any that may sound Coke? odd, but I actually think, I almost think everybody should do it that way. Yeah, maybe a Coke. A Coke <laughs> might help. Before Coke's uh, help the legal, on the, the legal one, of course. Um, but no, the <laughs> bottom line is, uh, yeah, I mean, do whatever you need to do to get ready. But, but I would say, I, you know, I would almost say what I do is, would be effective for anybody. Because I think you can get a little lazy. Oh, I'm not going to look at the stuff and I'll do whatever. And then they all just look at it tomorrow morning. I don't know. I, I think if you kind of do that, you, whether you're East Coast, West Coast, you, you might miss trade. So, so basically, I say do whatever you need to do to prepare so that your prep time the next morning really isn't that, isn't that, isn't that big. All right, Sean Udall is the CIO of Quantum Trading Strategies. We appreciate you. Well, you, we know you're already up early, but we appreciate you spending some time this morning with us, Sean. Have a good one and be safe out there. You, you too. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. All right. Uh, 8.59, just about wrapping up here, guys. Any, sure. final, any final thoughts here today? Um, it's a, a bounce back. So you think, oh, I'm coming here and buying on the cheap. You're really not here this morning because we were 655 handles lower overnight here. So we've already had the bounce. We had the huge sell-off overnight, Sunday night. We opened and we tanked in the first hour and the buy the dippers come in and our relentless overnight pumper, whoever that is, was at her at work last night to bring us all the way back to scratch. So, I mean, the big rally has already happened. Um, you obviously have some people maybe caught long from Friday. So as you start to come back into pricing here, it's not surprising that we start to stall out near settlement because you have traders who are maybe caught in that last 10 minutes on the wrong side. So I think it's a struggle for us just to continue, you know, to just like go up to 310, 312. I'd be more of a seller into the strength here, I think. And I know you're looking at me and saying, what strength? Well, there's strength because we were way weaker overnight. So um, again, I'm still focused on tech stocks as longs. Um, you know, even like a stock like you just talked about, Sean, talking about ESTC. I mean, here's a stock that's in a clear uptrend. Here's a stock that is looking to break out. This is the kind of stock that I would want to own. I don't want to go and start picking bottoms in the airlines here this morning, even though they look cheap. We don't know where this pricing is. We know there's more dilution coming for a lot more of these companies, potentially. Obviously, we kind of get a feel for where American Airlines is. Maybe there's going to be another trade, but I like to buy stocks when they start going up, not try to call bottoms 
Um, you know, it's fun to call bonds, but really it's, 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 a, it's, it's dangerous strategy. Yeah, yep. It's, it's better. I like to buy stocks and clear up trends as opposed to buying stocks that are breaking trend or even, you know, in downtrends. Uh, right. Real quick. Uh, someone asked about Microsoft. I mean, you got, got close to 200 on Friday, 199, 29 was your high. So if you're looking for a big target on that, um, I would say an intermediate number to me would be 196.32. That was your old, uh, well, that was Thursday's close. And then also your old time closing high in that is 196.84. So if you're looking for something ahead of that 199.29, uh, two two closes, two all time high closes there. Let's call it 196.50. As far as like the overall market goes, the easy trade, which I didn't do last night, was to uh, was to go long at, at some point. The, the yeah, easy trade that's worked yeah, nonstop. I was celebrating since the Father's Day instead <laughs> of buying the dip. That was a mistake. Uh, but you know, now I mean, we're right back reset where we were Friday before we fell off a cliff. So I think a lot of people are getting the money back. So. I, in order for me to get really bullish on the day, you got to take out that 96.75, that pre-market high, getting a 3,100 handle. And then, you know, we had a close last week at 31.18. But the longer it takes us to to breach that pre-market high, 30.96.75 and getting a 31 handle, I think a little bit more of a back and fill, maybe down to that uh, Friday's close at 59.50. Again, one thing to consider is that some of these stocks have been on a run, like Microsoft has had a little bit of a run in the last four or five days. I mean, uh, you know, stocks, again, you're chasing a little bit, even like the, the, the gamers, which I've talked and you know I'm long all of them. Um, they've been on a pretty good tear. So could they cool off for a few days? You know, I'm not saying come in here and buy take two that it's the next thing taken off. The time to buy take two is when we were talking about it a few weeks ago when everybody's throwing it out at 125. Well, it's back at 142. So, you know, when everybody's like, oh, it's all about the reopening. We got to buy airlines. We got to pile into all these stocks because they're all going back to all time highs and it's all going to be good. And we're selling all the gamers. And we're selling all the lockdown stocks because we don't need those anymore because we're all going to go back to our normal way of life. That call was wrong. That was at the beginning of June, and those people who were doing that trade were wrong. The exact bottom of take two, if you look here, June 5th, when it got down to $124.86, and it's not a coincidence that on June 5th, American Airlines topped out. And I remember that day I said, the stocks that I would be buying right now are those gamers and the stocks that have been beat up, the lockdown stocks, because they're totally out of favor. And you know what? It's going to turn again. And it turned that morning. And so now you're looking, okay, it's tough to just come in here and, and buy take two now at 142. I'm still own it. I'm still in it because I think, you know, this trade is not done yet. But I'd like a pullback in some of these gamers to, you know, before I, if I was, if I wasn't already in them. And so, I know my, I, I know my horse came in fifth. I, he went, it, I was right for half, first, I was right half. for half of the race yeah. and he did it. He got out to the lead and then he didn't, he didn't get covered up, and you, you could. Uh, I was watching it with Lisa and Emily, and I'm like, when he didn't get covered up, I go, my horse has just turned into a pig, and uh, that's the way he finished the race. But uh, I just uh, just uh, was commenting on that, and the winner looked good. Maybe we'll have a triple crown winner with uh, Tis the Law. All right, just a recap here. Here is a list in the pro of all the stocks we talked about on today's show. I'll scroll down a little bit so you can see we talked about Microsoft and Nikola and take two at the end here. But this is a list of all the stocks discussed on the show today. 
You want to keep them on your radar for today. I want to thank our guest, Sean Udall. Thanks to all of you in our chats, uh, all three of them. There's a chat on premarket.benzinga.com. There's a chat on Benzinga Pro. And there's a chat on YouTube. If you are on YouTube, please don't forget to like this video and hit that subscribe button. That helps us out immensely with our YouTube overlords. We appreciate that. Uh, please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or Trading advice, Joel and I will be back at 3.40 p.m. Eastern time. In the meantime, everyone have a great rest of your Monday. And wherever you are, stay safe and good luck. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.